Welcome to the Rider Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. Can I get an amen? And Larry Korea. Do not cite the deep magic to me, witch. I was there when it was written. Today's episode, Religion. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Rider Dojo. Uh, glad to have you all with us today. Larry, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good, Steve. Good. We're going to tackle one of the three forbidden topics of polite conversation. As we as we know, there are three forbidden topics. There is politics, religion, and pizza toppings. No, sex is the other one. But pizza toppings is, is like 3B. Um, but today, the one we're going to be tackling, Larry, religion. Yeah, and then and then we could probably do a politics episode, but uh, like writing that, but like writing sex, I that is not my wheelhouse. That'd be a really no pun intended. Yeah. short episode, dude. I am that is not something I am good at. We we would need to bring on a special guest star to to, to yeah. tackle that one. Yeah, and, let's and, be honest. And and the whole episode just be like, well, just talk. We're just going to sit here. Cause... Yeah, man's got to know his limitations. And guys, you'll notice I don't have a lot of sex stuff in my books because I'm not good at writing that, and it's really awkward for everyone. And then my wife would read it and probably laugh at me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for so. sure. All right. So religion. Um, r- religion is interesting, right? There, there's, there's a few different ways when it comes to religion that we mean it when we're talking about writing. Yeah. There's the, there's the aspect of bringing um, either our personal views on religion into the fiction um, are the, like the real world religions into yeah. your fiction. So like if you're writing urban fantasy or a detective story right. or a thriller or horror modern times, and you want to bring in religious, mm-hmm. uh, uh, religious subjects, religious characters, that kind of thing. And then the other one obviously is writing secondary world fantasy or whatever. Yeah. Religious world building. Yep. And it's the religious world building of it. Now these are two radically different. Totally different topics. Things. And sometimes we could do like we did in Service of War and kind of cross the streams. Yeah. A and, bit of both. And borrow heavily from real religion mm-hmm. and put it in a fantasy world. I think, so, so we're going to talk about all that. So first, first order of business. Let's talk about the pluses and minuses uh, in, in contemporary fiction, um, which we've both written, to bring religion, our real-world religions, into our contemporary fiction. Now, on the pro side, the way I look at it, it is a fundamental part of human reality for a lot of people. A huge number yeah, of people. Yeah. And now... now when, and here's one of those, this is one of those topics that just by talking about this, I'm going to offend somebody. Someone out there is going to get butthurt about this. I, anytime I talk about anything that I ever bring up the fact that I'm religious at all on the internet, there's going to be some out there, somebody out there who's offended yeah. just because they have a chip on their shoulder. Religion. Hey, for this episode, guys, just deal with it because we're talking about writing it. Yeah. And if you got a chip on your shoulder about religion, we'll talk about writing that too. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have some examples of people really messing with that. But I think if you're writing realistic human beings and you're writing about the world we live in today and some of your characters are religious, then you need to be able to tackle that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of type stories where religion is going to play a, a pivotal part of it, either yeah. from the characters or just like, if you're writing a story about fighting Muslim terrorists, you would kind of need to at least get the, the details of that. Right. Wouldn't you? I mean, just even in your thrillers. So whatever it may be, if you're writing about, you know, IRA and not to pick on the, you know, the Islam, I'm saying, but if you want to write about the IRA and the troubles, then you're going to have to have the little elements of Catholics versus Protestants. If you want to write about the old West and Mormons getting their butts kicked and chased, uh, and and until Porter Rockwell comes along and shoots everybody, you kind of want to have to get that stuff right. Well, or I mean, I mean, for, for a long time, um, one of the biggest elements in, in the thriller genre was the religious thrillers that your Dan Brown, your Steve Berries, you know, things like that. Totally. You have, now I'm not saying that they had a fundamental understanding. No, they were awful. They were super bad. Yeah. However. Well, I hadn't read the, the other guy, but Dan fact, Brown, oh my gosh. It, it was just as bad. The fact that um, that people could read those who were either religious, who weren't, and could get enjoyment out of them is is impressive. Yeah. Because that goes to prove that it's that the idea that, oh, well, you can't, you shouldn't put religion in your books. Well... You know, Dan Brown put religion in his book. And did really well. And did super, super well. Which still baffles me having read the first one where I was just like, what? But I, what I saw, though, the, the, those books pissed off two kinds of people. Uh, devout Catholics. Yeah. And art history majors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My wife 
My wife is an art history major. Okay, yeah. so she got her degree in art history. A religion and, unto itself. Yeah, it was well, and but a lot of religious iconography, and so you have to know Tons. all that stuff. And so my wife, I remember her reading this book. This is before I read it, and she just this the only time in my wife, my life, I've seen my wife do a wall banger, where she literally threw the book and it banged against the wall because she was so angry. Yeah, I've only done that once. She got a degree in art history, and she just starts going off, and she's like, "This is wrong, and this is wrong, and that's not there, and that wasn't there, and that was three hundred years later, and that wasn't even the right artist, and what the hell was this, and this is not where that goes," and she just went off, right? <laughs> she was so angry, and she's like, "How the hell did this guy sell fifty million copies of this?" And I'm like, "Honey, I don't know." Water cooler. <laughs> anyway, so, so what it is, I, I think what this goes to is one, he distilled to these the, the two very same subjects down into a manner in which it was easy for for the mass populace to consume and feel vaguely interested in we, religion and art. We talked about that once on the show before about the Michael Crichton factor. Yeah. Because Michael Crichton was the master of taking a science principle and distilling it down in a bite-sized chunk that the audience could read it and then feel like they were smart. Yeah. So you would read a uh, Michael Crichton novel and be like, wow, I know all about DNA now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, coincidentally enough, the the one wall banger that I have is a Michael Crichton. Because <laughs> you actually like wall. It was Sphere. Oh, the ending of the Sphere ending. was the worst thing because ever up written until that point. Really good. good. It's actually, actually horror. It's, it's actually a, a horror good novel. book until the last like twenty pages. Yeah, it's actually a horror novel. Too, so, spoiler yeah. alert: those of you that haven't read Sphere, it's got the stupidest ending of any book Super ever. Super dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> now on the on the getting contemporary religious stuff, eh, writing it, the key is you got to do your research. And when I say research, I don't just mean like you read Wikipedia and Wikipedia said, well, the Pentecostals believe this, 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 and this, you know, because that's kind of a checked out uh, far away version of it. If you're talking about how religion affects people and how people behave and how people that like the culture of it. That's what you got to nail. Because mm-hmm. most books, you're not going to get into like the esoteric dogma of they believe this, 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 and this, right? No. But how many books have we seen where it's about some religious group and it's just crap because they just well, totally didn't get it right? So everyone knows, uh, and if you, if, if for some, if for some reason you've made it this far into listening to the writer dojo uh, and you you haven't understood this about me yet, uh, turns out I really like horror novels. Yeah, drink. Um, yeah. Um, so, one of my biggest beefs with horror novels, and I also have the same, it, it's a related but kind of sort of separate beef that I have with science fiction, is in, in horror specifically, uh, religion almost always plays a large part. Because you're dealing with, with the, the idea of good forces and evil forces. Good, e- good versus evil, supernatural stuff. The literal devil. The world beyond yeah. our world. Yeah. Uh, evil spirits, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Very common okay. tropes and horror. However, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's, almost a, it's almost a cliche and a trope at this point within the horror genre that um, if there's a religious person in there, that's the bad guy. Yeah, okay, Stephen King. Stephen King. Stephen King is the most ham-fisted, overrated. Uh, I mean, he, he, the dudes he's a good wordsmith when he's on. He was better when he did cocaine. I'll put it that way. He He's, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this episode. But Stephen King, I don't know if he's ever actually met a religious human. Uh, I mean, I really don't. I mean, because the way he writes religious people is like, he might as well be writing about space aliens. Yeah. Either that or he's got such a chip on his shoulder. That's the other thing you got to watch out for, guys, is your personal chip on your shoulder. Because yeah. that chip on your shoulder where you just hate some group of people so viscerally that you can't portray them as believable humans, that comes through in your writing. And now you'll get away with that if you have a big enough audience of people who also don't care about that group. But if but if for anybody who's tangentially familiar with that group, they don't have to be part of that group. They just have to be tangentially familiar with the culture of those people to go, oh, come on, dude. Yeah. Come on. Get over yourself. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the alcoholic school teacher, pseudo hero. Uh, yeah. It's always an alcoholic school teacher yeah. from Maine. Or X writer. Uh, or X writer, struggling writer, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Uh, writer block writer. Yeah. So, so tragic. Yep. Uh, but whatever the religious person in the story is, is either a dupe, uh, a moron, or evil. Or yeah. secretly evil, like like wolf in sheep's clothing kind Very of secretly much. evil. Very much. And the thing is, okay, can you have characters like that? Sure, sure you can. Yeah. I, 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 and to be clear, 
um, I, I'm not saying that we should never ever have say a religious character who turns out to be a, a you know a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh no, absolutely, because that happens. It, it happens. Happen, a it happens lot. all the time. Um, but if you're gonna have where you simply can't portray a group of people as actual humans, you need to back up and check your preconceived notions about those people. Because um, here's a kicker: I've, I've written convincing liberals. <laughs> I've, I've written convincing communists, okay, yeah. where I was actually fair to the communists. And that's saying, if you know me, that's saying something. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting into, that's politics and religion for me, right? Yeah. Um, but the thing is, you got to check your chip on your shoulder. So if you've got a whole bunch of personal baggage to the point where if you write about a group of people, you can only portray them in a horrible way. You know, in anything else in life, that'd be referred to as bigotry. If you were talking about, uh, if it was this, if you were doing this with racial groups, it would be racism. If you, if you wrote about all women this way, you'd be a misogynist or a misandrist. If you, if you hate men, whatever it may be. That doesn't exist. Yeah. uh, yeah, Whatever. (laughs) You know, obviously now, but, but whatever it be, you'd be a bigot and people wouldn't tolerate that. But if you do that for religious groups then it's okay. And you're a free thinking, brave, you're so, so brave and let's all clap. You know, now the one, the one thing I want to be. That, that I want to clarify here is it's okay if your character within the oh, story absolutely has that um, has that attitude towards a specific group. No, that actually makes perfect sense. As long as not every character within the story has the same th- because then that's just the author. That's just the author at that point. Yeah, that's just author insert. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have where your point of view character, and here's a kicker too, because if once again though, this is where you get into the whole social justice thing, people telling all people how to write. Right. If you had a character in a book who was your main character, and he just was super racist against, you know, Port- let's say he hates the Portuguese. Okay, he hates my people. He hates linguisa. He hates dairy cows. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. <laughs> no one hates linguisa. All right, whatever. Blasphemy. This, this guy's mad, Speaking right? Speaking of religion, blasphemy. Like, like he had a really bad experience in the Azores once. I don't know what it is. This dude hates the Portuguese. <laughs> so I'm just using this so I don't get in trouble. All right. <laughs> And if you have this guy as your main point of view character and the entire book is beating the reader over the head about how he hates the Portuguese, okay, most people are going to read that book and they'll be like, dude, what the, what is up with this author? What is wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? But the way our society is, if you were to do the same thing, but you were doing it against a group that it was okay to hate, mm-hmm. like say religious people, yeah. and and you were just to mock, you'd mock them relentlessly, then it's okay. In fact, they'll, they'll give you awards for that. They'll pat you on the head and tell you you're so brave to stand up against the thing that they all said it was okay to stand up against because they don't like it. You know what, guys? If you want to do that as a writer, I'm not telling you what to do. I mean, you guys can do whatever you want. But honestly, I think the key is here, if you want to write actual compelling human beings and you want to write stories that stick around, then you need to actually tackle that like a grown-up. Yeah. You need to actually treat this stuff with respect. I, I think one of the, you and I are both LDS and one of the best. As are like 75% of authors. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a bad stereotype. I know, right? Uh, but one of the benefits I think that, that we've had is that you and I have both served religious missions. Okay. And when you do that, we end up, I'm, I mean, it's just, it's part of the gig. You end up meeting like everybody and their dog. You meet a ex- people who haven't done this. You meet an extremely broad and di- actual diverse, like uh, realistically diverse. realistic diverse, like massive cross section of humanity. Yeah, I mean every every religion you can think of. Um, we've we've had the conversations with them. We've had the religious the religious debates with them. You see um, the lowest of the low and the highest of the high that mankind has to offer. Right, you do, um, and. You know, people in all states and how and how all of those various states of well-being and life um, translate into how they view religion uh, and how religion impacts them. And so, it, you know, for for me, that that's an experience that I can draw on and say, oh, okay. When I, when I, I remember meeting a guy, he was that religion and this is, this is how he acted and how he, he portrayed things. That was interesting. 
Um, or, you know, like, like we, we, we have a bunch of friends who are, you know, all over the place with religion. In fact, we had, um, we had dinner. Me, you, Dave Butler, and Chris Rocchio had, uh, had a dinner oh, a few months ago with, uh, with a legit, like... Dominican friar. Dominican friar. <laughs> uh, who is a knight of the Holy Sepulchre. Dude was freaking rad. Well, in fact, so, so he is now me and Steve's go-to reference guy for uh, anything involving uh, that world. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So we don't get stuff wrong. Yeah, like like legit, actual, oh, here's how it would work in Catholicism. Well, like Steve's writing combat, Vatican Combat Exorcist for the next yeah. Monster Hunter Files anthology, mm-hmm. as he did in the last one. Very, very popular characters. This is our this is our go-to guy yeah. for, the dude, okay, so doctrinally, if we say this, this, and this, is that, oh, no, you'd actually say this, this, and this. Right. But sometimes it's not just doctrine. It's like, well, no, culturally, that's not right, you know? Right. Um, well, and and... And in Catholicism, the culture of Catholicism in, say, Europe versus the U.S. versus South America, Central and South America, is radically different. I mentioned Portuguese. Portuguese is different than, you know, going down the street and it's, you know, just regular American Catholics. It's very, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge, huge worldwide church. Uh, When we, when we write about Judaism, we both used, we have both used the same guy. Yeah. As our, as our uh, Jewish reference, Michael Rothman. Mike. Yeah. So, so one of uh, Steve's co-authors, Steve has written New Arcadia with, uh, with uh, Mike and Michael yeah. Rothman. And I've known him for many years. He's great. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, he's a devout Jew and uh, mm-hmm. very intelligent guy. And so there's been a lot of times like, Hey dude, is this right? Would, would this guy say this? Would this guy feel this way about this? Does this, does this come off as real to you or does this come off as fake to you? Mm-hmm. You know? And, so I think I think the key is you don't have to be a doctrinal expert or anything, but I think no. you need at least be a cultural familiarity of anything you're trying to right. tackle. I think that'd be a reasonable way to put it. I think so. I think so because it, it's just like anything else. Okay? Well, except for writing Mormons, you can just make up whatever you want. Well, apparently, apparently, apparently. yeah, because you know, um, my thirteen wives and their butter churning dresses. Right. Well, in in science fiction. Okay, uh, science fiction is is the genre where it's super vogue to say, oh well, you know, science fiction. That means that the people there are too smart to believe in religion. It's super condescending. Um, and again, I'm okay if a character or a subset of characters from a specific group believe that way within your novel. But I'm not okay, and I I get bugged. When it's like one note, like every character in all of your books feels the same way towards religion. Now, yeah, that's that's author self insert. It is. It is. Now, what's interesting uh, in science fiction specifically, uh, James S. A. Corey, The Expanse. Oh, he ta- they he they they tackled it really well. I well, thought, and so it's Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. Ty Frank is an atheist, and yet, uh, especially book. Uh, is it three or four? I think it's three. Book three in that series, um, which is uh, Abaddon's Gate, is excellent. Or no. No, it's Caliban's War is number three. Um, is excellent because it, it's, it's, it's all about, like one of the main characters is a, is a religious, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, like a priest, basically. Um, a bishop or so to speak. And... And her whole character is 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 to discuss the idea of religion in the context of a universe that is expanding and is and has radically expanded, and it's handled so effectively with respect. It's interesting. I thought they even did a good job on the TV show. Oh no, they did a great job. It, because it was it was interesting to me because. Typical sci-fi trope is it's the future. We're all smarter, so we don't have religion anymore. Which is idiotic. Which, that's not really how human nature works. No. Because we're not, mankind has never been one unified monoculture. And as it gets bigger and wider and more spread out, is extra not going to be one unified monoculture? That all happens to believe the same thing as the author. Unless they do have a subculture that's the bad guys. They believe different than the author. 
Yeah. See, that's just ham fisted. And the thing I like about I liked about the Expanse's world building was you had the three main factions, but you had all the little different sub factions within them. You had religious people, you had irreligious people, you had atheists, well, you again, had again the mutants. you know the the uh, <laughs> you know the the group that's going to go out on a giant uh, you know space colonization mission. It's the Mormons, which actually is pretty. And it's realistic. like yeah, that's. Yeah, okay. Well, there's been all this stuff on the news lately. Like, Mormons have so much money. It's like, yeah, we're really good with this. You guys notice the thing. We notice half of us are writers. The other half are accountants, and some of us are both. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. We're all saving up to build that really big spaceship. Yeah, this is yeah. This is that this is that space where, like, like us and, and, and Jewish folk, like, we give each other the, the fist bump of, yeah, we fiscal, fist bump. of fiscal, like, like uh, what conservativeness. What is this so weird to people? So, so what is this so weird to people that, like... <laughs> Wow, you mean the the religion that preaches fiscal responsibility all the time is fiscally responsible? Weird. <gasps> yeah, whatever, dude. Okay, like I said, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this episode, but we yeah. do need to take a commercial break. <laughs> all right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, um, I, I feel like we've discussed this part really well. So I want to get into then taking religion, creating it, and then taking it into your created worlds. We'll be right back. Hello, word mercenaries. This is Thomas Umstadt, host of the Novel Marketing Podcast. I'm excited to announce the first ever Novel Marketing Conference in Austin, Texas on January 26th and 27th, 2024. This conference is for published authors who want to sell more books and for first-time authors with their first book launching in 2024. This is not a typical writer's conference where you learn how to write and publish books. The 2024 Novel Marketing Conference is focused on helping you sell more books while spending less time and less money on marketing. Our goal is for 2024 to be your best year ever for book sales. To learn more, go to novelmarketingconference.com. That's novelmarketingconference.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Okay. So we talked about real world stuff. Um how you can bring it in some of the major pitfalls to avoid, which, which I think can be condensed down to don't be um, a dick. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Um, and if, if you yourself have religious preconceived notions, either for or against perhaps making all of your characters sound just like you, the author. Yeah. Not a, not the best of ideas. Yeah, Cause that actually goes both ways because I mean, we talked about people being like Stephen King and thinking all religious people are stupid idiots. And then you, I've mentioned, I imagine I haven't seen this book, but I imagine it could be done the other way too, where you, th- Oh, like, like, well, like left behind, right. That was one of the, Oh big yeah. Ones, yeah. I, right? for, I forget about that, that particular sub genre. There, there is the sub genre of, of like super Christian fiction. Yeah. Um, which I can't read. I have no knowledge of that genre whatsoever. So I, I tried. Got, I got nothing. I tried, um, and I can't because it's it's the same thing. It's just it's just the same thing but different. Yeah, it, it's just it's just the yeah. the opposite side of that similar coin. You know, I think the best way to do it, honestly, is just just have a diversity of characters yeah. who believe different things, and then be faithful to that writing that character in a way that they would realistically act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. As long as, as long as the reader goes, yeah, that given, given what I know about this character, this is how they would act. We notice like most, okay. of the, most of the cast of MHI isn't particularly religious, yeah. but they have a handful of guys who are extremely religious. Mm-hmm. And I try to, I try to play that up. You know, yeah. Trip is probably the most religious guy in the whole thing. He's a Baptist and I, I'm not Baptist, but I knew enough Baptists to write a yeah. believable Baptist and he's a good dude. And I made him a good dude who sticks to his, he's got his moral code and he sticks to it. Well, or, or, you know, the, in the monster hunter files story that I wrote, um, yeah, they're, they're deeply religious. Oh, they're exceedingly Catholic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are. these guys are like hardcore. <laughs> yeah. But, they, they would have, they would have been giving people some high fives during the inquisition. I mean, and the thing is we, we treated all this with respect though. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the key. Yep. Now, Putting that part aside, um, and and heck, we I mean we haven't even touched like historical, like historical no. fiction where where it's almost almost a requirement to have religion in it. But let's talk about secondary world fantasy, okay? Or make or, it, or you could or you could have alter, your or could have stuff. separate universe, like yeah. not our universe, um, science fiction, okay? So, um, and you've done this, we've done this. And, and, and this is the, okay, we need to make religion in this world. 
because done this a few times yeah because it is um humans are humans they want to believe in something a lot of humans want to believe in something more than themselves yeah that is a very fundamental and even the most irreligious people ag- uh, hardcore atheist people i know are also still religious mm-hmm. only it's not god it's something else so yeah. not to get too preachy on it but i see a lot of evangelical atheists here yeah you know uh well they and they, satan is climate change or you know whatever, whatever. it may be but karl marx is god <laughs> i don't know but moving on but they have people as in general um and especially if you're talking like different races and um like alien type races or different fantasy creature whatever races integrating a religion with them is such a one i i personally feel that it's a potentially fundamental piece of your world building mm-hmm. but it's also a really great way uh, and a great tool for you to have in your tool belt for adding flavor to characters making it frankly kind of easy on yourself like okay well how does this how does how does my weird cat person um, in this fantasy world, what do they believe? Well, if they have a weird cat God, well, that's going to shape the way they think about things. And that's interesting. It is. It, 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 it's such a big chunk of our real world building. Because mm-hmm. even if you are today completely atheistic or whatever, the society that we dwell in was built on a lot of the fundamental beliefs and principles, even down to our language and our idioms and, and so on and so forth. So even if you're like... Well, our swearing that we talked about in the, in the profanity yeah, episode. Yeah, in our profanity episode, that's one of the three types of swearing yeah. was religious-based, yeah, bla- blasphemy. blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we see all somebody, you know, hey, get off the cross, you know, get off your cross. I mean, we, everybody knows what that means, even if they're not a Christian, mm-hmm. you know? So, so on and so forth. But, I mean, even to the point where people people talk about karma. Yeah. Christians talk about karma, Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's all these different things that come from people's religious backgrounds. So even if you don't believe it, it is part of our world building. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be part of other people's world building too. Correct. Um, and so you think about it, it's such a great opportunity to build your own idioms and build your own bits of language and build your own myth. And yes. everybody had a creation legend. Oh, everybody, every culture has where man came from. You know, where did we, how did we get here? Well, and in, in, in fantasy especially... Um, we, we get to play in, in some of my favorite, my favorite fantasy novels use, use the idea of God or gods in a very literal, impactful sense. Yeah. There's two ways to hit this really. If you're doing fantasy, I mean, you could have where the gods are a background thing that aren't actually there. Or you could have straight up where they get involved. It's your yeah. fantasy world. You can do that. Mm-hmm. And, and. So, so Steven Erickson, Every, at this point, everyone knows how much I love Steven Erickson. Steve's a huge Steven Erickson fan. Yeah. I mean, his name is Steve. It's hard not to go wrong. He, he loves all the Steves. I do. So he... After in, the episode, I bagged on Stephen King. That's true. <laughs> he spells it with a PH. It's bad. Yeah, that guy. Stephen. Um, it's all the cocaine. I know. I, I kind of want to have the, you know, bring up the, the chihuahua with like the, the super underbite. It says Stephen. Stephen with a PH. <laughs> Um, anyway, so moving on, um, in, in, in the Mollison book of the fallen, that whole, that 10 book series, um, the gods are like, they're legit. They've been around. A lot of them are dead, but they have such real impact in terms of religion. Um, you know, how, what people do and don't believe the conflicts that they have against each other based on various gods, the magic, um, and it's one of the very best books that I've, a series that I've read where the casual swearing that people have in it, um, it is an R swearing in a lot of cases, but it's, it's in world blasphemies based on, on other people's gods and stuff. And it feels so natural and it feels correct, especially when it comes from, it's like, okay, well, the soldier swears this way. The philosopher swears that way. The dairy maid or whatever swears this other way. Mm, dairy maid swears the most. You know, and, and, and it's really interesting, but none of that would have existed. And, 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 I, would, and I would say that if you took all of the religion um, 
and 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 the the worship of gods and such out of the models and book of the fallen that series would suck it would suck and it would feel hollow yeah it's a huge fundamental part of the building blocks of that world yeah i i think i think that's so so let me let me ask you a question yeah okay. saga of the forgotten warrior religion's okay. massive in it which is really funny since it's illegal and banned the whole time and they have they have almost no doctrine because it's all been scrubbed right but but that's part of the well, it was part of the fun. That's I wanted to, fun, I right? wanted to uh, experiment with that that idea. Okay, you know? so so how did you approach creating religion in that? So so basically, what I did is I started because for those of you that have read the series, I don't want to like spoiler alerts for the rest, but there's a lot of clues to what's really going on here, and the fact that 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 these people did have the same religions that we have today. Yeah. Uh, so this is clearly someplace else, sometime that is not here, but but there obviously were. Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists and even Christians. There's little, little hints that this stuff existed in the past. Uh, then it all got scrubbed. And I go into the book and how that happens. This is over a thousand years. All this has gone on. And what I did was I wanted to do a fantasy society that was that, um, you know, John Lennon's <laughs> imagine there's yeah all that crap. Oh, I gave I gave you that John Lennon world, and it ain't it ain't pretty. So they scrubbed all this stuff basically, and they replaced religion with an all-consuming law. The law says this, and so the law runs everything. Everybody abides the law to the point now where the law is the religion. Mm-hmm. And 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 I mean, I straight up have an inquisition. That, that literally, they are called the Inquisition. And what are they doing? They're getting rid of the religious stuff. Not because it goes against whatever the religion is, because they don't have a religion, but it goes against the law. Well, it's... Because it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, if you if you dropped... And, and I always make this comparison when, I, when I'm selling your book to people, so to speak, either literally or figuratively. And that's the... Well, if you took Judge Dredd and dropped him in a fantasy world and said, bro, you're in charge of enforcing the Inquisition. Well... That's what Judge Dredd is going to do with extreme yeah, Ashrock, prejudice. Yeah, Ashok and Judge Dredd are very much... They give each other a nice fist bump before oh yeah. trying to shoot each other. They are very like-minded individuals. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I wanted to play on all those religious tropes. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, I'm also reintroducing religion. Basically, the illegal rebel fanatics. Mm-hmm. Problem is, they haven't had doctrine handed down to them. They're kind of making it up as they go. And I'm having a lot of fun with that because they, they will argue and they don't know what they believe. And so basically like one guy will take charge and say, well, I think it's this. Okay. And he, he, he tells the best story. And so they're piece, they're trying to piece together the past. And actually, and what happens to is this story goes on is the reader actually pieces together the past, but the reader with our modern mindset where we read a lot of fantasy novels and science fiction novels, the interpretation we come away with is dramatically different than what the characters come away with. So whereas a modern reader will see this and go, okay, gee, that sounds like, you know, quantum nanotech, <laughs> you know, um, this is a miracle from the gods yeah. to these people. And the gods are characters. The gods are involved, but are they gods that to these people, they're gods, but to us, there's something else. And so I had a lot of fun with that. And so this was an epic fantasy where I kind of wanted to turn that on its head and, and have a religious epic fantasy where religion was actually not not a foundational part of it. It was a, um, it was part of the foundation that got dug up yeah. <laughs> and now they're putting a roof on it. So I, I remember when we, when we decided to scrub the serial numbers from, from our old book, our old outline. Oh, for and, servants and, of war. And turn it into servants of war. Yeah. We had some fun with religious one world of the, building. Yeah. This. One of the first things that we discussed was, okay, now that we can kind of do what we want, what do we want our religion to be? Okay, so on this one, we were a little different. So what we did is this is a fantasy world. This is not Earth. But we did establish early on in the book that this this world is connected to Earth. Yes. This is basically the fairy world. This is the world where fairy tale stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. And so we established it is connected to Earth. That fairy tale stuff would wander over to Earth and then wander back. Sometimes man would wander from Earth into this world mm-hmm. and get stuck. There was yeah. no way back for us. Yes. It would wander through the mists, if you will. So what we did is we actually took that this fantasy world had its own religion. It has its own cosmography yes. uh, that we built, and which is actually really interesting. But what happened is the other cultures that came over... They have theirs too. They have theirs too. So we actually have a religiously diverse world. And we actually had one of the 12 tribes of Is- uh, Israel... That's correct. ...got lost in the mists and wound up in this world. 
Well, and, and one of the earliest things that we talked about, because for those of you who've read the book, we have the fundamental overriding God principle of this world is the idea of three sisters. Yeah, the three sisters were the ones that were there first. That were there first. Um, and, and we've, and, and we've state we state in the book that they're obviously not the only ones, but over this world, they're basically there first. And, and I remember when we had this initial conversation, I said, I said, okay, Larry, hear me out. What if, which is usually how all of our conversations go. I said, what if these sisters, it's like Cain and Abel, but two of them get together and gang up on the third and killer, just like Cain and Abel. But then after the fact, they're like, well, shoot, now we don't have someone to vent our frustrations against. So then they go to war. Well, that's the genesis of this long, ever long, like everlasting war that's basically been going on. What we've got is these three sisters each had their, their children mm-hmm. in this world. Well, then mankind came in and we were the new hotness. Yeah. We were the new exciting thing. Well, I mean, hard not to. Super sexy. And they kind of forgot about the old ones. Yeah. They they kind of they kind of dismissed their old their elder children. Mm-hmm. They were no longer fun to play with, and so each sister kind of adopted a tribe of yeah. humans that had wandered through, um, and yeah, we had some fun with that. So so we had basically and and some of those uh, were we can't we will never nail down the exact years. No, but some of those were uh, uh, Christians, yeah. and so they do have basic early Christian beliefs of some of these, but what's happened is that's kind of gotten rolled in with the bizarre pagan stuff yeah. that's going on. Well, and, and you know, I mean, time works differently there. Um, Very differently. And we and, established that pretty hardcore yeah, in yeah. the book. <laughs> but in, and, and this is one of the fun things, right? Where um, we, we talked about this towards the top of the episode where there's the, there was the idea of creating a brand new fresh religion. And then there's, you know, you can take pieces of religions that, that we understand that can give your readers like like something familiar, a cultural touchstone that they can that they can kind of latch onto and go, oh yeah, I, I get what you're I get what you're doing here. This is like that. And we you, you can mix and match. Um and and we had a really, really good time doing that in book one and, and, and that's that's gonna continue in book two, obviously. Well, and then we even took it where there was, so in one of the, 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 the one nation that we've really seen so far, the one that we've really, we've visited some other ones, but the one that's, that's taken place in yeah. is a very tyrannical regime. Like yeah. our characters are in the army, but they are not the army of good guys. No. It's pretty clear. Yeah, there's no real good guy. There's no real good guy here. But they actually, they have a state mandated church. Yeah. They have a state religion. The Tsarist communion. The Tsarist communion. And the thing is, it's actually kind of a weird conglomeration of... The Christian stuff that came over. Some Catholicism. Uh, uh, actually, kind of Orthodox. Orthodox. Pseudo-Orthodox. Yeah. And, and a whole bunch of this weird pagan stuff. But kind of keeping it on, like, like, and then there are some people who still worship the third sister, the dead sister. Yes. And that, that actually gets really important because mm-hmm. you can't really kill something that doesn't die. Yeah, because, I mean, only a god can kill a god, right? And, and so it's, it's... It's really fun to play with. And, and I, I look back at Servants of War and, 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 and think about this as I'm talking, Larry. If we were to go in and strip out any religion from it, think about what that would do to our book. One, it would completely eradicate one character. Um, Amos wouldn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Um, which would be a detriment to the series. Because Amos is our... Is our um... He's not really a rabbi per se anymore. Not anymore, but he is. I mean, that's what he was. Yeah, that's what he was. And uh, Amos is a great character. I and mean, he, he's actually the most theologically grounded person in there with a coherent philosophy. And everybody else is like, I mean, well, we actually have a great bit uh, in the book where there's the, uh, the, the pre, they have like the commissar comes in and gives them a big political speech. Mm-hmm. But then the priest comes in and gives them a sermon. And they're basically the same thing. Yeah. You know, they're the same message yeah. because it's a state church. Um, but Amos is actually a, a truly devout religious man who's trying to do the right thing, even though his, his, his sins of his past have made it so that he can't really ever uh, be okay with what mm-hmm. he's done. Yes. You know, and so he's a great character. Uh, I love Amos. 
And so, so this book, I, I think what we did here is if we, if we were to strip out the religious elements and all it would leave us would be like a trench warfare fantasy. Yeah. It'd be a little bit soulless and spiritless, I think. I mean, it would still be action and it would still be cool. We still have a good oh, war yeah. story. Sure. But it would lose its heart. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, even like another of the major characters, Natalia. Um, religion we, is massive. She she is an extremely religious character. Only like her people are basically um, they're gypsies, nomads. Yeah, they're they're descended from a, a, a basically a, a, a nomadic tribe uh-huh. that wander through. They're caravan people. Yeah. Um, but their religion is kind of what we did with their religious. There's actually a pseudo uh, kind of Greek slash uh, um, uh, Greek slash Hindu combination yeah. that they wound up with. Uh-huh. Um, or basically her, 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 to, um, her like totem goddess is Artemis. Yeah. yeah. You know, straight up. And, uh, well, and, and then Alar- I, I love Natalia. Alarian, I mean, his whole, his whole guilt is, is revolve in the story is revolves around. He didn't believe in religion hard enough. No, he wasn't, he wasn't faithful to the state he church like faithful. he was supposed to. He didn't, he didn't go and list like he was supposed to when he turned 18, which is mandatory because mm-hmm. he lived out in the middle of nowhere. Horrible things happened to his village. That's not a spoiler. That's literally chapter literally one. chapter one. But then the one of the three sisters, who we had a lot of fun with, because we basically <laughs> took the Baba Yaga. Yep. And I'm not talking John Wick. I'm talking old school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We took the Baba Yaga, complete with you know house on chicken legs. Yeah. She is one of the three sisters, and she takes great interest in Alarian. And uh, and she and this is why I teamed up with Steve, the horror author. Yeah. Because she is creepy as hell. Yeah. And uh, so basically this guy has been straight up picked to be a champion of basically the old goddess of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> the old dark it, goddess of the woods. As you can see, it, again, it's a tool. Okay. If, if, if you want to add an, uh, an extra dimension and you feel that it, it would fit and it would fit your story and make it better then, um, you know, do it. Think, think about all the different ramifications that religion has on things. And, and look, at, look at our world's history. What, what does religion, what has religion impacted in Earth's history? Well, um, uh, things like immigration, um, war for sure, um, economics. I mean, it literally impacts everything. And... So, so in, in a prior episode, we, we, when we were talking about world building, we, we often bring up like, oh, okay, well, you need to think about how economics impact your world, how different, how different yeah. things happen. There's so many different Same thing ways to tackle this. It, it's interesting because there's not really a right or wrong answer. No, you could no. have, you could have a book where every single character, a fantasy novel in a fantasy world where every single character just doesn't give a crap about religion. That'd be fine. It's just not. It's just not part of the character's life. Yeah. And doesn't. It could be a background thing. It could be a thing he laughs at and thinks is superstitious. It doesn't matter. Or you could straight up go Forgotten Realms, where the <laughs> gods have stats yeah. and each one has a very clearly delineated little. You know, hi, yeah. I'm the god of murder. Gee, I wonder if he's a bad guy. Yeah. And then, and then his and then his father shows up. I'm the paladin of the god of murder. Nice oh. to meet you. Wow. Okay. It's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, the, the black, the black armor with horns and blood dripping from it was kind of a giveaway. Do but, I do you laugh know. at people who play in Baldur's Gate three right now? Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, do not speak to me of the old ways, witch. I was there for <laughs> yeah. episode one and two, oh. and the expansions oh, in the good old days. <laughs> oh, Black Isle I actually played a, I actually played a Forgotten Realms campaign in college too. Really? Yeah. 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 Those. In, in, um, in specifically in Baldur's Gate before oh, the video game. Oh. Yes, actually in the city because we had a source book, if I recall correctly. Interesting. Yeah. It was kind of cool. It's like pseudo Spain, really, more than anything oh. before the video game came along and they changed yeah. it. But, but I digress. Yeah. So, I mean, you can go all sorts of different ways. I mean, they straight up, that, that's, so that's a Pantheon system with very clearly delineated rules. But then again, most people now aren't writing... Uh, they're, we're not tending to write fantasy now where you can straight up put your character on the alignment graph. No. Ergo, I'm chaotic neutral, so I have to worship, you know, Bob, God of sandwiches or whatever it right. is. You know what I mean? Right. Powerful God. Yeah. Underrated. <laughs> but you could do whatever. I mean, you could literally do whatever with this. You can go nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't have to have religion in your books, but it is a super valuable tool. I think so. I think so. Um, 
when you got you guys got to understand and, and you, you can't see this because of um because obviously we're you know it's audio only but where we sit um in my office the way i face is i'm looking at like this wall of fantasy and science fiction novels behind larry and i'm looking up there and i'm like oh okay we got james s a Corey. yep yep there's religion in there um uh joe abercrombie there's some religion in there although it's actually much lighter um, yeah, actually, because I uh, on Abercrombie, I would say it's definitely it's a it's a thing that exists and yeah. people have it. But the main characters typically that's not their bag. No, um, but it's handled well, um, especially in the first Law trilogy. Mark Lawrence. Mark, yeah, he's right up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, I'm not even facing that direction. Yeah. I just guessed. Yeah, he's actually right next to your books. Um, I like Mark Lawrence. Yeah, stuff. Mark Lawrence. Mark Lawrence is excellent, and religion does play religion a part. does play a part in there. Um, you know, Terry Brooks, of course, is right under there. Steven Erickson is right under there. Uh, well, Brandon f- Sanderson f- is over there. I'm facing the opposite direction, and behind me, uh, behind Steve, is his games. Oh, yeah. And he very specifically has the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I do. The Lord <laughs> which, of the Rings card game. Which Lord of the Rings is actually a profoundly... Uh, incredibly incredibly religious. religious thing which is funny because these people who don't really understand religion come along and, oh no it's not and it's like dude it oh, is it's profoundly religious it is profoundly religious a lot well then you got above that dresden files i do yeah <laughs> which which this is an interesting one because dresden files is is going back to contemporary stuff probably one of the best examples of really super having a, so not the main character having a really profoundly super religious character. Dude, and he's su- Michael is such Michael a Carpenter. good character. Fantastic, wonderful character oh. you know, on so many levels. And Pro- to be honest with you, might be because he's not a main character. No, he's a secondary, secondary character. character but might be one of my favorite secondary characters in all of fiction. Yeah. And I and I think that's I think that's actually fair and accurate. Super and, awesome profoundly deeply religious man yeah. true to his beliefs but see he handles religion much in a similar way that you do in your monster hunter series it's like yeah it ain't just one thing folks yeah. like there's lots of things which and is they're all kind of coming at each other because i am actually way more religious yeah than my main character mm-hmm. in that then it's funny because you know who the most religious person is in the entire monster hunter universe is agent frank's <laughs> I, kind of by default. Kind I mean, of by default. He has no choice. We aren't going to get into spoilers for that because he's also probably like the meanest person in the universe. But that dude, there's they no, there's no of. question of faith with Agent Franks. Well, it's not faith at that point. He's met everybody. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, f- yeah. Faith is and not f- knowing and fought with them. So yeah, um, there's a lot of different ways to. I don't think there's a right answer or a wrong answer, but I think the key is it is a super valuable tool in the toolbox. Yeah. If used correctly. Yes. If used in a way, and I, I hesitate to even use the word correctly because we can come up with so many different ways. If, if, if employed with skill. If employed with skill. However that may be. Yeah. And I think anytime you go too extreme one way or the other, bagging on it or saying everybody who isn't on board with it. Is dumb too. Yeah. Is dumb too. And, and, and unless you're writing for, like if you're writing, like you said, you're writing Christian genre fiction, that obviously you're going to turn that knob up to 11. Yeah. Break it off, right? Sure. If, like, Deseret Books is a is a uh, Mormon bookstore yeah. chain. Larry Korea novels are not carried in Deseret Books. No. Oh, I mean, they back in the day they would have been. But uh, yeah, yeah. So there's just, just there's no way. No. Um, but so the thing is, it doesn't really matter as long as you do it skillfully for what you're trying to create. Yeah, and and I always default to the position of, what do your characters believe? Not what you believe. What do your characters believe? Yeah. So if you're going to write Christians and you're going to write devout Christians, and you can have them be good, you can have them be bad because humans are diverse and we're all over the board. And some of us are good, some of us are bad. You know what? If you're going to do that. Do enough research into that denomination to at least at least get it so that if somebody from that reads it and goes, okay, yeah, I could, these people still feel human to me. Mm-hmm. They feel like I, I said that's the greatest praise I can get as a writer. If somebody says, you know, what, your characters feel like somebody I could meet and stand in line at the grocery store, yeah, you know, and they feel like humans. Or or it's like it's like oh yeah, that feels like that feels like the guy I grew up with. Right. If you same thing. So if you're writing a Buddhist, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. If it's a Zoroastrian, I don't, I don't care. But yeah, the, the, or the, you know, the, the 
links god of your i don't know some some random yeah. some random fantasy or science fiction religion yeah, right it's like, like you know, I mean, priest of dagon okay yeah. and they want to sacrifice you to the fish people <laughs> yeah you know yeah. okay so to be fair though now if you are writing someone who's literally like hi i worship the god of evil it's like well i mean to be fair you could go all in on that one <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I, yeah, that, that, you don't that's really have to, fiction, right? You like, really don't have, that's, uh, you're getting, you, you, at that point, you don't have to worry about nuance anymore. It's like, hi, I'm here to sacrifice the babies. It's like, well, right this way, sir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nuance is out the window, guys. Don't yeah, worry about that guy. Yeah. All right. So to end our episode, um, I, I, I just want us to, to throw out a couple good, um, whether we're talking shows or books or whatever, um, a couple good references for people that can give people, uh, our, our, our listeners, a pretty good idea where we think religion was pulled off in an interesting way, where it felt real. Um, uh, one of the ones I want to mention is, uh, and, and I've talked about this show before, I believe, um, it's called Midnight Mass. It's on Netflix. Um, so it's, it's definitely horror, slow burn horror, um, super, super excellent. But the entire, the entire show revolves around religion. Now, when you start watching it, you're going to think, wow, this feels really anti-religious. I promise you it's not. Um, it's, by the end of it, you're going, okay, I can, I can see why a person would go down that route. And, and it's so varied. It's so varied. We do excellent. Hit, we do even hit on the potential religious themes. Oh, no. That's a different episode. But, True. I mean, there's so yeah. many that you can play, like redemption and repentance, mm -hmm. and that's powerful stuff for fiction. Yes, yes. In fact, we might have to just do a part two episode later on where we talk about what religious themes there are and how to employ them as far as like character and world building. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll just do a separate episode on that. Anyway, um, any any stories or shows that you can think of where you're like, dude, that that religion was pulled off pretty cool. Uh, not off the top of my head, I'm like, like not, one's not leaping towards me. But, I mean, uh, we, we, we did talk about The Expanse earlier. I thought they did it. For sci-fi, I thought they did a fantastic job. Well, it's mm. kind of the opposite of Star Trek. You know, where Star Trek, oh, it was yeah. always very clean and antiseptic. Well, here in the future, we're we're not so dumb to believe such dumb crap anymore. Yeah. And then they'd go to, like, the backwards alien planet where they worship like, the oh, sun. <laughs> they, they, we cannot. The Prime Directive prevents us from going down and... And telling these religious fanatics down here that they're stupid. Yeah, so I mean, I mean so so I, I actually thought the expanse was was brilliant in that respect. Yeah. All right, that's all the time we have for you today. Um, I, I think we've we've decided that we'll we'll end up doing a second uh, a second episode on religion later on down the road, um, themes and such. I think that's actually a pretty cool idea. So we'll do that anyway. That's all the time we have for you today. Hope you guys liked our discussion. Um, this is the Writer Dojo, and we'll see you on the next one. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash Dojo by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. I have to find a turtle and shove this straw down its nose.